Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of the E3 Podcast, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This season, we're going to talk about building science, female entrepreneurship, and the built environment. Prepare to get nerdy. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is Season 4. I am super excited because I want to kick off the podcast on a really strong start, and so I have Jen on today and I'm going to have Jen introduce herself, tell us who she is, what she's up to, and then we're just going to get started talking. So Jen, tell us who you are. Hi, I'm Jennifer Stoma. I'm originally from Portland, Maine, and I reside in Scarborough now with my three fur babies. I currently am a field engineer at a contracting company that's local. Um, Did not start that way. I was actually a mechanic by trade, but we can... We can hop onto that whenever. <laughs> we can talk about that because, you know, I wanted to um, first start on, you know, we've been catching up off video and I didn't record it. And so I'm going to make her repeat everything that I have to say. But um, one of the things that stuck out to me was um, that, that you were um, not raised in a traditional household where one of your parents was a contractor or in any kind of construction related field, um, which is kind of the way people seem to get into construction related fields is because somebody they know is in the industry, owns a business or, you know, somebody in their immediate network. And I don't know if that's just because the opportunity is available or they've made it sound cool or, or whatever, but, um, this isn't the first time that I've talked to, you know, another woman in the field who is like, I didn't know how to get into it or didn't know what it did, but I'm just going to go for it. So, so, um, tell me a little bit more about your progression up to where you're at now and being a, you know, non legacy person kind of getting into uh, a non-traditional female field. So I'd say, in the middle of high school, I, I just wasn't applied very well. I, it's not that I wasn't a good student. I just was lazy. I wasn't challenged enough. So I just, I wasn't fitting that bubble that, you know, I was supposed to be in. And growing up, my father, <laughs> my father will laugh at this. We always had a dead car in the driveway. Always, always, always. And I used to love sitting and playing in there. And my father was not mechanically inclined uh, he was 40 years military, uh, security mom, same thing, nothing. And I decided with a friend of mine, let's join the automotive program at the Vogue school. And on a whim, we're like, okay, you know, we went in, I didn't know the difference between a flathead or a Phillips. I didn't know anything, never grew up with any understanding of any of that, but I was like, I want to do it. It's hands-on. I want to do it. Two-year program, ended up graduating, top in my class, and getting a scholarship to go to Central Maine. Uh, So I went to Central Maine, graduated there, and I did mechanics after that for uh, about five or six years. I worked on a lot of diesels and fire apparatus, um, which was a little bit beyond what they what they had at the automotive program in college and high uh, and yeah in high school. And uh, I loved doing that, but it it became more of like I wanted it as like a hobby or a side thing. I got a little bored. So I ended up going and working for a flooring company. 
spent two years doing that but being on these commercial sites all the time I was just like man I really want to see how this whole thing comes together I want to be a part of the whole big picture so as you know we referred to earlier as I called it a Hail Mary and I said all right another another big job change another big trade change let's do this I don't know anything let's go I applied for a job um, at Hardy Pond and I worked there for about five years. I started as a carpenter and built my way up to assistant superintendent, then made my way up to a superintendent. And uh, that, was, that was amazing. I got to build some really great projects. I got to be a part of some really great programs. Um, and Hardy Pond is made up with, I wanted to say at the time, 30% women in that company. And it's now female owned. The daughter, Deidre Wadsworth, now owns the company. Um, it was a great place to work. It was a great stepping stone. Uh, but I wanted to go a little bit bigger and do, do a little bit more. Plus, you know, getting older, <laughs> I'm not really built <laughs> for picking up beams and stuff anymore. <laughs> a little person. Um, so I ended up having to take, I, I left Hardy Pond. I had to take some time. Um, I have two grandparents that required a lot of help. My mom needed help with, and I was capable to leave and work on for myself. So I pretty much ran my own business for a year, um, but it gave me the opportunity to make my own schedule to work around that. And as a side note, my grandparents are 196. My grandfather was a World War II veteran, and he's been on the news locally lately. And she was a Wendy the the welder and she will correct you and not say Rosie the Riveter but I'd like to think that I get some of my trade and sass from her because she's she's still a spitfire 96 years old I'll tell you that but um I recently after a year of doing that and kind of collectively getting things together I took a field engineer position to kind of make my way into the more management and I absolutely love it I get to do scope of works and just like kind of building more into like the backbone of what how a project starts and kicks off and that's where I'm like really driven to to get to know right now in my life so yeah that's really exciting um one the Wendy the welder because clearly it was in you you know even though you're neither one of your parents were kind of doing it 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 was you had someone in your background who who you know led you to the trade. No, maybe didn't lead you to the trades, but you know, had that, like it's somewhere in your DNA. Um, but what I love about your story and your progression to where you are now is that, you know, you did a lot of different things and you were able to see different things in the trade industry. You were just, I mean, there was a dead car in your yard and at like 16, you decided I'm going to go to the automotive program. But like, how many of us know at 16 what we're going to do for the rest of our lives? But it got you into a field that you were like, okay, I can get behind this. This is cool. It's hands-on. And then when you were like, okay, maybe this wasn't quite it, but I do love the hands-on stuff. You kind of, you, you moved a little bit and you made a little bit of a jump and you're like, okay, you know, now flooring, wait, there's so much more to these bigger projects. And then you did that for a while. And then you were like, wait, how are these bigger projects put together from the, you know, the scale? So you really tried a bunch of different things. And I think that's one of the things that maybe we're not told, but maybe is a little bit more 
prevalent in this generation is people don't work at the same job that they hate for like 60 years anymore. Right. <laughs> like it is perfectly acceptable to try new things and to do something different or to do, you know, to, to change careers or paths or go to school for one thing and then apply what you learned to something else. Like some of those skills that you learned in the automotive trade still transitioned to what you were doing. I mean, you still had to know how things went together. And so understanding how things go to, they're not the same things that go together, but your brain thinks about those, you know, it puts them together. And so there's, we're always constantly learning. And that's why I want, you know, people listening to the podcast and how it's like, maybe this is just me and who I am, but like, it's constant learning. Like, I just want to keep learning. I want to learn more things. You know, first it was architecture school and then it was, you know, working for a couple of different companies and feeling them out and the types of projects that they did. Then the market got terrible in 2009 and it was considered gainfully unemployed to be an architect. Like you just kind of didn't want to be in that profession. And I was like, but wait, what does Maine need? What am I interested in? Did a lot more energy consulting, got into a ton of existing houses. Well, how are existing houses put together? How can we improve the efficiency? What can we do here? Then brought that full circle when building started to pick up again and said, okay, how does this make me a better architect? How do I do this? And then just continually learning with building science and doing more with building science and collaborating with other people in the industry and learning things from them. And then, you know, taking that building science to the next level and saying, okay, well, wait, what's in every material that we put in our house? And like, how does that affect our health? And how, you know, and like, For me, I just think I'm going to forever be a learner. I want to learn new things, different things. And how does it apply? And, you know, maybe what I applaud about, you know, the path that you took there is when I was in architecture school, we had this um, topical Tuesdays thing that we would put in, in the architecture department. And we would invite people from other departments in the college to come talk to us about how architecture related to their field. Because it all relates in the end, which is super cool. I find that fascinating. So I love hearing about your journey because I think it's cool. So now that you've done lots of things and you're in the management side of it and you're enjoying that, you know, what's the, what's the best thing? What's, what's your favorite thing that you're doing these days? Ugh. Gosh, there's, there's so much. Cause some days I, I do get to, this is going to sound really dorky, but there's some days where I like, we're shorthanded and I, I need to go in um, to do more like hands-on stuff with them. So I, the fact that I kind of get to bounce a little bit and still do a, a lot of stuff like that um, is great. But my favorite is when I get to operate. So usually like if I operate skid steers or mini excavators, um, our telehandlers are really fun. Um, so I want to say being able to, to bounce back and forth. So trying to find that like that ideal balance because I don't necessarily miss putting on a tool belt every single day. Um, it gets heavy <laughs> with, with my age now, <laughs> but um, I want to say just, I just, I'm so hungry to learn more and to get more, like I'm getting a little bit more by a little bit more every time, but like, I never got to do scope of works. I never got to do RFI orders. Um, takeoffs, estimates, like those are things I'm start, I've started to bite into this last year. Because uh, superintendents, like you mostly get to, you, you manage the project, you're working with all the subcontractors, 
you're constantly on the prince, but you're not, you're not getting like a little bit further. Like how did the numbers get here? How did we, you know, get this job? How are we, you know, coordinating with the art? Now I get to coordinate with the architects a little bit. And that's a new thing for me. And I, I love that. Um, but I still want like more, like, it's, you know, it's, yeah. those are my favorite. But I really, yeah, I really feel like I was talking to uh, one of my other contractor friends the other day and, you know, I really feel like you had to do all the other things to be really good at what you're doing now, right? Because if you hadn't been the site superintendent and you hadn't understood the job flow and material flow and cost or whatever, it would be hard for you to know all the things that you would need to have for a job, right? So like, you know, like, oh man, on this job, the cost estimator forgot X, Y, or Z, right? And so like, you've been there, you've been on the job site when something got forgotten or got ordered incorrectly or, you know, and so now you look at those plans in a different way because you've been on the site and you've thought about it and you've thought about how to build it. And then you can figure it out. That's always the hardest part, I think, with people who, who have that skill. Like it's clear that you're really good at that management stuff and that you worked your way up to it. But you can't start there, even though your personality, like we talked a little bit beforehand, that, uh, you know, 80% of any job is your personality and 20% is the skill that you can be taught. But if your personality is associated with this management skill, you know, it still doesn't mean you'd be any good at it until you've done some of the other things yeah. to kind of work your way up to it. So totally. now you can think through some of those problems that if you were just looking at it and taking the plans and saying, okay, I've got 20 square of roofing. Okay. You got 20 square of roofing, but like, what else do you need with your roofing to make sure that you can complete the installation? And so now you get to really dig into the details, but you understand it on a different level. And so you can see how that all came together and how to be more cost-effective. Like, Hey, you know, we didn't need all of X, Y, or Z, or we could have done it this way because you understand a lot more of that practical approach, which yeah, I guess is probably how the industry is supposed to work, but doesn't. <laughs> no, but that's, I guess one, like this pandemic is obviously awful, but one of the the things I'm noticing about it is people don't like, I don't have, I have trainings that I've done. I've done all my OSHAs. I've done all that stuff, but I don't have a degree in construction or construction management or architect. I have nothing that everything I've gotten up to this point has been all in the field learning. And a lot of places now, like they, if you're, they're hiring it, a lot of them will require a bachelor's degree in this or whatever. And right now because the economy is hurting so bad for for employees i mean anywhere right now you look at they're willing to train if you don't have carpentry skills they are willing to train and i think that that's this is the time especially for women who are unsure or they don't have the background or young men that aren't sure either like it's a great opportunity right now to just take a dive into that field because a everybody's hurting they're willing to train. You don't necessarily have to have a degree in it. I don't have a degree in it. Um, and I'm okay. And I'm okay with not having a degree in it because the experience that I've gotten up to here, I mean, it's just, it's, it's helped me and my references. And I just, I think right now is the time for, for people to really try if, if you're not sure and you want to make the change, now is the time to do it because everybody's hurting.
and I don't know, it's fun. I like it. Get your hands dirty. Get in there. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I think maybe because of the labor shortage that we have right now, we have the ability to be a little bit more flexible and not say, you know what, everybody doesn't need to go to college. Maybe not all of these fields need to go to school or, you know, on a lot of the networks and stuff that I'm, I'm part of. And even, you know, on the BS and beer show, and we talk about this with, with architecture school is, you know, architecture school doesn't teach you how to actually build anything. That wasn't the point of architecture school. Like architecture school teaches you how to think outside of the box, but now we're going back to it and looking at it and saying like, okay, you know, how much curriculum has to be in here? How much needs to be this? Wouldn't it be great if people were taught, you know, from my perspective, building science during school, right? Like let's get a little bit of science in there. Now I've, if I wouldn't have gone to architecture school, I would have gone to school for science. And so maybe I'm just like a really strange, unusual person that was like, I don't understand the science behind building. Like, how does moisture move through this? And how, like, wh what are these other things? Um, but I think you're right in the respect that skills can be trained and attitude and your personality are, are so important for, for that. And now is an opportunity for people to try lots of different things and to get into the fields, um, and just experience what's out there. And like, maybe you won't like your first job is rough carpentry because maybe you don't have to be as precise and that's the tools that they're going to teach you. Like maybe you're going to be a cabinet maker, but maybe that's down the road, or maybe you don't like cabinet making because that's too fussy or, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you actually want to be an electrician. I mean, I have seen some really sloppy electrical and I have seen wiring that was like so pristine, like the lines are straighter than the drawings. Like just, I mean, clearly someone like there's just so much yeah. variety out there like go try different things like it's it's so cool to see it and to, to learn more about it and you know so I think letting go of some of those things that we've been been taught like oh you got to go to school and you got to get a degree to do what you're doing or oh you have to you know, have had a parent or, you know, a family friend who was in the industry to get into the industry. So, you know, what I'd love to see is just more mentorship of younger people, you know, in schools and stuff like that. But also part of the reason why I do the podcast is, you know, so people can see what we do, like we are out there, we're doing it, just find us, you know? And so I know you mentioned beforehand and I don't, um, I don't think either one of them were women, but uh, a little bit about your experience kind of getting into the construction industry and the mentors that you had, because sometimes I think, well, no, I definitely know it's, it's about attitude and how you approach it. Right. And so you had a great mentor that worked well for you. And so how did you approach it when you started a job you knew nothing about? You're just like, Hey, I'm here today. I don't know anything. Teach me. <laughs> um, well, I, I had a little bit of basic, like hand knowledge just from like doing flooring like I knew how to use how to use and read a speed square I knew how to use the chops like you start to learn a little bit about math and like how do you apply that math I guess like when you're doing flooring like how to do the floor layout how much square footage you need um so I had like just a basic understanding and then yeah mechanics which didn't really apply at all in carpentry but so when I started as that um yeah, I, he said, what do you know? And I said, and that's the one thing is I was never dishonest about what I knew and what I didn't know. 
So I said, I'm comfortable using a chop saw. I have never used a nail gun. Um, I know how to read a tape measure and I have a pencil and a hammer and a speed square. Let's do this. <laughs> and then he's like, oh God, here we go. And uh, I worked, yeah, I worked under him. And the thing with him is I was always asking him questions. Well, why are we doing it like this? Or why are we doing it like that? And he always really appreciated that. And the fact that I was always honest and he's like, are you sure? Are you sure you got that? And I was like, yeah, I think I got this. And I'd be pulling my first layout, you know, just to put strapping up or my first layout when I framed a temp wall. So, and he'd always be like, if I was doing it wrong, or I'd ask him, did I do that correctly? And he's like, yeah, but it might be easier. And he always showed me ways that might be easier for me because I'm five foot three and 120 pounds. You know, when we're trying to put up a header together, he'd be like, get yours up on a lot. You know, he was really good about how to make my size work to my advantage in certain situations. Cause a lot of people think you have to be really, really strong to do it. Yeah, some sometimes, but for the most part, as, as long as you're with a crew or a team, it's really great. You can kind of figure out ways, you know, utilize what you have. And uh, he was always very good about that. Uh, very patient with me, but I always asked questions and he knew I wanted to learn more. When we were slow, sometimes I'd sit there and look at the prints and I'd be like, can you explain this to me? What does this mean? And he was very great about that, but it's because I wanted to learn. You know, we've had people come in that were learning as well and they didn't listen. They wanted to do it their own way and then it ended up having to get taken down. It's going in with the attitude of if you just really take the time to listen and to ask the questions and it's okay to not know. Like, and that's what I think people, all people fear is they don't want to look, I don't know, not dumb or whatever. I don't know, embarrassed. I don't know what it is, but if you, if you just go into it completely honest and you ask questions, I would rather take the extra 10 minutes and ask how to do it right than have to tear it out two or three times because I'm doing it wrong. And then that just makes yourself look bad. Just be honest and, and just be hungry. And that, that's, I don't know. He was very good. I got very lucky with a good mentor. So. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember because, you know, people are trying to blow through all kinds of, you know, norms or whatever. And I work with a ton of great contractors who don't have the traditional contractor architect, like butt heads that everybody hears about. Like they're not all like that. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure there's probably a great mentor maybe not on every construction crew, but there's probably a great mentor on, on most construction firms or other firms or whatever that um, uh, one of the women that I interviewed last year said, you know, it was all about just relating to them and their person, like knowing how to ask the questions that they wanted to. And I think what you said was really important. Like, it's actually okay not to know. And I say that all the time. It's like, it's okay not to know anything. It's okay not to know uh, like how to do something. You just need to know how to get the answer, right? And for you, how to get the answer was to ask, you know, your mentor. Like for us, sometimes it's like knowing where to go to look in the code. Like I don't have it memorized, but I know which section to look in the code for the answer that I need. You know, somebody asked me the other day about a door opening on a landing and I was like, well, I think it's okay, but I knew where to look in the code to see, you know, if that was going to be an issue. And so I try to impart that on all my students when I teach the classes. I don't expect you to memorize this. I expect you to 
open yourself to ask questions, yeah. like to question everything, to want to know, and then to know who to ask when you don't know. Like, so I don't, I don't personally use Revit. And so if they had a specific building science question, they would ask me if they had a Revit question, they would ask the other instructor. And it was like, it was very clear, like, okay, this is who you ask when you have a certain type of question. And I wish everybody would get over uh, being afraid to ask a question and look dumb. Cause I feel like we need to normalize. You look dumb by not asking, not, um, not you look dumb cause you don't know. Right. So um, I think it's really good that you kind of pointed that out because it, th- I had another contractor say to me one time, like, there's never enough time to do it right the first time, but there's always enough time to rip it out afterwards. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 there's not, that costs everybody money. Uh, like, even if the person who's working on something needs to stop and come and help you do it. It's still probably more cost-effective than you doing it wrong. And then you both having to redo it, you know, yeah. an hour later. Yeah. Especially because some things don't get caught right away. Right. Cause it could be like a super specific thing and some things don't get caught until it's too late to fix, yeah. which is three outlets there. And it's already all sheetrock, painted, tape, butted, door and everything. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> we had one. Um, it, w- it was a, a new house and um, the sheetrocker accidentally sheetrocked over one of our outlets. And we didn't know. <laughs> and like, we just came in, the electrician with the rest of the stuff up, whatever. And then right after the client was there, it popped the breaker, right? Because it was, <laughs> it was covered. Yeah. And we're like, what is going on here? And then he's finally like, something is missing. And like, it took that long to figure it out. Or I was on a, you gotta love, uh, uh, the sheet rocker sheet rocked over one of my windows. And I was like, <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Maybe they, took it, maybe they took it out. So I went outside and I was like, nope, it's on the outside. <laughs> so it's on the inside too. And I mean, they were, they were just working along. Yeah. It was pretty early on, I'll but I was just like, cut out. and then it- yeah, I was like, there's a window in the bathroom. And he's like, no, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, there is. There is, you know, and it's great. It's great. It, it didn't matter. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was, you know, you fix them. Right. And that, that's the other thing that I learned from uh, a female contractor is you know, let's get over this whole, it's your fault, finger pointing, whatever kind of thing. Like we have a problem. What's the solution? Everybody on the team's working towards the solution. We all move on, you know? And so yeah. it's just like, ah, there's a window in there. Might want to He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was like, look, I'm not upset about it, <laughs> but maybe we should cut it. <laughs> Make it fun. We might want to do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, if we, just the whole, maybe then people won't be afraid to ask questions, right? If we just like chill the whole environment out. Sure, time is money and sure, mistakes cost money and sure, somebody might have to pay for it and, you know, so all that stuff. But if we're not afraid to ask questions, then maybe less of those things will happen, you know? Yeah. You dive into the plans and you're just like, I'm not sure this quite works here. Like, can we talk about that? And it's like, oh, on paper, it's a lot cheaper to fix than it is when you're in the field scratching your head going, hmm, well, <laughs> what are we going to do now? Yeah. Well, it's always a fun yeah. 
but back to what you're at the contractors and stuff. And this is why it's, it goes back to the 80, 20 that you had said with the personalities and stuff. Speaking of personality. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it is a huge deal to not be like, I feel like you have to be that dominant personality just because, you know, there is like a pecking order in a sense on a construction site. If you have a great personality and you have good, you know, good withstanding with your subcontractors, like it's actually really fun. One of the companies I worked for, I felt like every one of the subcontractors was like a family member. Like they were one of my best friends every day, show up to work, you know, we give each other a little bit of craft because, you know, that's what we, that was how we got along. That's not going to be necessarily the case for everybody, but we worked together to find, you know, a common, common ground and a common goal. And it was, I think I, I miss working with a lot of those contractors. And when you shift companies, everyone uses different places, but having that personality is, is a huge deal. And it does make it easier being a female on a construction site. I mean, I've had 20 to 40 guys on one site with me and I feel completely safe. I feel completely like if anything, they were a little protective of me. Like I never felt unsafe or unsure. And I know that might be like a stigma too for some women that don't know about going into the trade because of, you know, certain harassment things or whatever. But I always felt generally really safe with all of the guys that I worked with. It was always, I don't know, like a family, like a tight knit community, but it goes back to having that personality to kind of fit the people you're working with, you know? So, and don't, you know, don't be discouraged. You know, if you, if you screw up, everybody screws up. Everybody makes a mistake. We're all human. So. Right. That's always what I want to tell people. Um, you know, I, I did an interview with another female contractor and she's like, I'll often have women come to me and they're like, I'll work for free because I don't have any skills. You know what? Everybody who starts in the bottom doesn't have any skills. It doesn't matter who you are, <laughs> you know, and sometimes people come with improperly taught skills, which is actually almost worse than not having any skills at all. And so, you know, remembering that or, you know, one of my favorite architects, uh, Steve Basic said, I go to the job site all the time and I climb up on the roof and I sit with a roofer and I'm like, so and they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the architect. What I do wrong? What do, what could I have changed? Like, what would have made this job easier? And like, that's how we all get better. And the truth is that people who are in this industry and who are, you know, lifetime in this industry are often really proud of their craft. So if you stop and you talk to the plumber, you're just like, okay, why'd you do it that way? Like what, do, you know, that's how we learn, right? I mean, we can't expect you to know everything. So go and learn from those people. And, and I agree. It is all about personality. If you go and you're respectful of what they're doing, they're going to tell you about it. They're going to share their knowledge. They're going to be happy. I mean, Minus the fact that if you're like five days from completion and you're under the gun and you're like, maybe that's not the best time to approach someone. I mean, read the room, but that's just anybody, yeah. you know, but otherwise they want to, they want to tell you about it. They want to talk about it. And I've created this really collaborative environment with a lot of the contractors and subcontractors that I work with where I show up on the job site and I'm like, okay, so that detail was pretty easy to draw, but like, how hard was it to put peel and stick WRB on a two-story house, you know, on the coast in February. Like you're going to learn the things that might seem good 
in idea, but aren't so great in execution. And they can say, well, I've used this product and we did this. And you're like, okay, great. So then the next project goes better, right? Like there's always something to learn on every project. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, what's fun about this trade is that it's always progressing. It's always moving forward and there's always something to learn. You can't, I always kind of got bored eventually with things because there's, you know, it kind of would hit a limit a little bit, or at least it felt like that to me with this trade it's constantly growing. It's constantly changing. And there's always something, there's always some new product. There's always some new way to go about doing something. I mean, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel completely, but we're trying to definitely make it more efficient. And that's, that's something that I really appreciate about this trade and that I, that I love. And now that I'm getting to to know, I'm still hungry. I'm still trying to get more out of it. And it's a really great, it's really great opportunity. So Yeah. I think what you said really makes a lot of sense for people who are drawn to things that change. Like it's easy to be in this industry and do something different every day, which is super cool. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if people know enough about the trades to realize that that's, you know, the scenario, like you're not swinging a hammer nailing studs in every day like that. that, You know, I think people have a very small window of what they think happens you know on a project and there are so many different aspects and so many things that happen and even you know even building the same house can be different on the next one you know like everyone is different every you know subcontractor is different every you know it's just I find it fun and fascinating and there's always something new to learn as well and so for everybody out there who just doesn't like to be bored construction (laughs) trades all that stuff, not boring, no. not repetitive. Um, you know, if you, if you want boring, you got to go all the way up to like industrial level construction where maybe like the only thing you do all day is tie rebar. I feel like that might get boring, it, but they're like specialized I, people. <laughs> it does. Oh, you've done I've that. Done that. It's, it's very boring. <laughs> very boring. Cause you do the same thing. They get paid well. Cause it's boring. I don't know. <laughs> no. Cause it's a skill. But yeah, so there's, there's usually a lot of variety. And if you like a lot, a lot of variety, then you work on smaller projects because you get through them faster. And, you know, like a large project where you might have to do the same thing for multiple days in a row, you know, it, it does happen, but, and you'll go to bed at night, remembering those rough openings for about 10 years, but (laughs) Yeah. Don't get into this industry if you want to sleep at night. Like, that's not really a thing. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's it is constantly changing, and you are constantly doing something different because, especially when you're doing from the ground up builds, or even you know remodels and stuff. You know, you have to do the demo. You have to reframe. You have whatever whatever the remodel is is it. It's always going to be something different because there's one step, then there's the next step, then there's the next step. And it's always going to vary a little bit depending on what it is, but it's always something different. So, and I think that's, that's what makes it fun. Keeps it interesting. Not boring. (laughs) Normally I would ask you if you had been in your position for five or six years, what you're going to do next, but it's clear what you're currently doing (laughs) next, which is awesome. Um, And that, you know, you've tried lots of things in the trade industry proving that clearly it's, it's cool. So, um, any other advice that you would give? And sometimes I say women, but I think it's really anyone getting into like deciding to get into the trades. 
Honestly, I think a few of the people that I've worked with, I'm sure will tell you this, is every morning, for the most part, I mean, we all have bad days. <laughs> I would literally show up and we usually have the radio on the construction site or whatever. And I would literally just be that person. That energy was probably just a little too high up here. And I'd be like, good morning, everyone. Like, because when they look at you and they're like, wow, this person's in a really good mood. And but everyone then kind of starts to feed off of that. So um, or they think I'm <laughs> on a lot of drugs or something. But I showed up always in a really good mood for the most part. And having just like I don't know my way is through humor I mean I can be serious but my way is through like humor and having fun while doing the job I know that it's not always going to be that way but going in with a good attitude whether or not you know what is going on what you're going to be doing what you're going to be learning that day it does go back to just having that attitude and asking questions and I cannot stress that enough and I think that's what helped me get here was with my the, the mentor that I had was I was constantly asking questions so he wasn't wasting his time mentoring me because I was actually trying to take it in and um, you don't have to know everything and I and I and I, I can't repeat that enough you don't have to know anything to really try and get into this trade if you're willing to just take the time to listen learn watch and give it a shot and just be honest you know if it's something you really don't think you can grab the other end of, then be honest about it. They're not going to be like, well, you're never going to make it. I'm literally a peanut of a human on a job site and I've got my way here. So there's no, there's no limit. So that's my. Yeah. There's no limit. And there are resources out there too, which I want to, tell people about too and remind them too. So like, if you're a little bit afraid to start, like you, you're part of the, uh, women in technology, you know, they've done seminars, whatever, um, Anna with main passive house, uh, does, um, I think monthly programs, uh, through the center for ecology, uh, where they'll teach you skills, you know, basic hand skills. So if you're not sure if it's the right industry for you, you know, you can go learn a little bit about hand tools, like just get your feet wet and, and meet someone else. Um, honestly, Habitat for Humanity is always looking for people. I'll show up on a job site for a weekend and, you know, go, go help and see what it's about. Um, I, when people ask me, you know, they went to architecture school and like, what's the best thing or experience? I always say, go work for a contractor for the summer. Like that's the best yeah. experience that you can get, you know, before going into the field, like go, go work on a job site, go just for a summer, be an intern, you know, if you're willing to learn. Um, and someone had said on BS and beer, and I thought this was kind of a brilliant idea, which is, um, we have kind of a gap in the, in the trade where a lot of the really skilled individuals are moving towards retirement. Then we have a gap kind of in the middle where we sort of didn't fill that. We just, let everybody out of the trades. And I think part of that was the economy got bad, right? People got out of the trades or whatever. So, so we don't have kind of the middle gap. And then we have new people now who maybe are wanting to get in. And someone said, wouldn't it be great if the people who want to retire or don't want to, you know, like you said, you, I'm getting older and I don't want to, you know, physically put on the tool belt every day, but like the people who are kind of transitioning to that 
doing more training with the the new people coming in, right? So that you don't have to pull from your everyday crew. I think that would just be cool because teaching, you know, we used to have a lot of tech schools and we used to do that, but you know, when you have a trade school or tech school, um, you have a lot of big equipment, which takes up a lot of space and not too many people in there. So it's a very material dense, uh, thing. And so it's, it's hard for those programs to function and, you know, be economical because instead of packing a hundred kids in a classroom to lecture, you know, you might have 10 or 20 students in, you know, twice as much space. And so there aren't quite as many easy ways to learn skills, but there are programs to learn skills and there's nothing stopping you from joining one of those programs, either in high school through, through the tech and trade program or in college through tech and trade programs, or, you know, uh, maybe we can get some continuing education to come back and just get somebody to teach one Thursday night class on, you know, in the shop. And I love that that now, and I love that they have those opportunities now. Cause I mean, back when, back when I was in school, it was just, yeah, there was a couple of the trades programs that you could get into, but there were no women in it. So you were going in alone, um, which I, I, most of my friends were guys anyways. So it worked out, you know, in my situation, but, um, the fact that they have those programs now, and especially Habitat for Humanity, they, they probably did have that back then, but I was probably a minor and I don't know if they, have to look into that. Yeah, I don't know if you can do it as a minor. No. You might have to be 18. But all the other but. you were saying about like that's that's really great. And I'm glad that they have those in place now for adults and and kids that aren't sure but they want to kind of get their feet wet. Like I think that's amazing. So yeah, because it seems it seems really unfortunate that, you know, and I know it all comes down to money or whatever, but you look at the middle school, high school programs and like they're getting rid of art programs and they're getting rid of tech programs and they're getting rid of a lot of that hands on stuff. And it's really unfortunate because like applying that and learning those things. I mean, I also, too, we had a tech program at my high school. Uh, we had a Votech program also. But we just had shop and tech in our high school. And so I took all of those classes because uh, I was interested in that. That was what I wanted to do. But I was the only female in the class the whole, you know, the whole time. Now, luckily, they didn't seem to care. (laughs) It was fine with me. Like you, uh, you know, I had several male friends as well. Um, Growing up, my sister and my cousin were the same age. And so I got stuck with her brother, which worked out to my advantage because then it was just like, okay, whatever. I've got, a, you know, guy friends and girlfriends and it doesn't matter. So yeah. we'll just do these things. And so, but, but yeah, I mean, in a lot of those programs doing what you did, you know, when you, when, when you started was just changing, changing the mentality, even from instructors or other people in the classes, like I can do this there's no reason why I can't do this, you know? And then you become their, their favorite student yeah. by the end. Yeah. I, Cause yeah, he was an older guy and he, he at first was like, I don't, you know, girls, sh- you know, shouldn't be in a shop. Like, you know, it's a dangerous place or whatever. And um, I'll actually never, I'll never forget what was our groundbreaking moment. Um, I, so my father, <laughs> my father blew up my engine Christmas Eve because the lower radiator hose went. And I had a Jeep that I had custom lift kitted and I'd go off-roading with some of my guys, my guy friends. And, but my father blew compression three out of the six cylinders in my motor. So as part of my 
class, I got to rebuild the engine um, in high school. And I'll never forget because he we're fighting, we're fighting breaking apart the bell housing from the motor. So the separating the transition, uh, the transmission from the motor itself. And I remember he was like, I had a sledgehammer and he was like telling me to hit it. And I kept hitting it and it wasn't going anywhere. And he was like, hit it like a man. I, I was so mad. I swung, I hit and the thing broke apart. And in that moment, we just looked at each other and I was like, I did it. <laughs> and from then on, from then on, I was like, I was like, like a daughter to him. Like he, after that, we really kind of had the little bit of a groundbreaking moment, but um, it's not always, always going to be like that. I don't want to deter any women from going into those programs, but, but it was very, it was, it was great because it, it changed his mentality. And I know that any woman in his class is going forward. He was going to be, you know, open arms, welcome. Cause I ended up going in knowing nothing. And after the two year program, I graduated at the top of my class and got a scholarship. So that was, that was pretty cool. And to this day, I'm pretty sure my picture is still in his office. So. <laughs> See, so it's all, it's all about just, you know, kind of breaking the rules uh, of what seemed like it was always one way, you know, and, and there might be things that women have to do differently than men to get the same result, but it doesn't mean that you can't. And, and I say this all the time on our design projects is my way isn't always the right way. It's just one way to do it. And so, you know, you take that into account for anything that you're doing, there's lots of different ways to achieve the same goal. And so, um, it's just not being afraid to try, I think. Yeah. Step out of your comfort zone a little bit. It's good for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to share with us your experience uh, here in Maine, working in two totally different and varied, uh, you know, trades industries and just kind of proving that, you know, there's, there's really nothing that's holding us back. We hold ourselves back, right? Everything else is, you know, a possibility. And it might mean, and, you know, I don't want to discredit other people who have had bad experiences. There are bad companies and there are good companies, you know, or bad people and good people like that, that is in any industry across the board. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that most of your experiences were really positive because I feel like that is probably or hopefully more of the norm. And so it's good to hear from you that, you know, there wasn't any kind of barrier to, to doing it. Uh, I did this great interview with a student who was part of a trades program in uh, Taylorville, Illinois. And I was like, so what were, what were the, you know, the holdbacks for you? And she's like, there weren't any, you know, and that wasn't the best response ever. Like, there's what, there wasn't anything holding me back. There's nothing, you know, that, that you can't do. And so I appreciate you sharing that as a, as a mentor and an inspiration for other people trying to get into the field is like, yeah, go for it. Just give it a try. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. Just give it a shot. Go on with a good attitude. Thank you for being on the show, Jen. It was awesome to have you for season four, episode one of the E3 podcast. This season, we're going to release podcasts on the last Friday of every month. We hope to have some amazing guests, some great mentors, and to highlight some of the awesome people who are doing better things in the building environment. Thanks for your time. We look forward to seeing you next month. (laughs) 